Welcome to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. In this week's episode, the guys go over some questions from, well, you guys, and cover things like, what are short sales? And is the housing market going to crash in 2023? All while enjoying Johnny Drum Bourbon Whiskey. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. My name is Charles Sardelli, and I'm here with... Jameson Amaros. Oscar Ibarra. And today we've got an episode straight from the audience. We do. Yeah, it is. Uh, we're involving you guys. Yes. Is this straight from the audience or straight from the comments that made us, you know, cry? Those are well, you our know, audience. They yeah. hurt our feelings. <laughs> yeah. As audience. real estate agents, that's our audience, right? Yeah. Um, we're, we are going to do more of a mean tweets kind of feel. It's going to be more in, relaxed. In a, a lot more whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're going to need it. We're going to yes, need it to deal with that. But I don't uh, do well with mean tweets. Yeah. I'm a sensitive human being. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was so scared to like let myself get on the internet. Oh, I know, right? It's just because like, well, what are they going to say? After like the 19th just hate comment I got, yeah. especially on my TikTok channel, because TikTok is like, Ooh. I love it, but it is toxic AF. And uh, Gotta love anonymity. Yeah, a couple, a couple of those. And then you go and you click on the profile mm-hmm. and it's like no picture. No videos. Yeah. Like, okay, you're just scrolling. Literally your just mom's a, basement. Well, saying mean things. Like, cool. That's that's great. <laughs> yeah, and then you, you click on the picture and it's Dahmer and you're like, ooh, no. <laughs> yeah, I click feel off, like there should off. be, I had this conversation with somebody. I feel like somebody, instead of banning TikTok, mm-hmm. we should just make it to where if you need, if you're going to comment on somebody's video, the algorithm should know if you yourself have posted anything. Yes. And if I you agree. haven't, too bad. Well, I you think you can either are, like or dislike. That's it. I think those are the bot accounts that Mr. Musk is having so many problems Man. with. Well, and the thing is, I mean, the way I see it, if it's a nasty comment, you don't have to watch my stuff. It's my opinions, yeah. you know, and, and I try to keep them as knowledgeable as possible. You know, you pull more stats, but I've said in the past, oh, I, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't check stats. I make them. No, right? <laughs> no, but I, I am, am, but I, I am the my, my, my biggest, yeah, I'm the, t- I am if the I'm the, no, but being a statistic's <laughs> not good, but brown and young and yeah, no, um, no, my See, biggest, my biggest concern when we first started was my peers, right? I, yeah. I was, I was very nervous what my peers were going to say or, or, or do about what I was doing or saying, um, because I have, I'm, I want to say hundreds of friends that are real estate agents and they will f- check me quick. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. You know, they know where I live. So yeah. <laughs> uh, it, the general public, I hope that we're giving out good knowledge and, you know, please understand that we're here to help, not mm-hmm. to make ourselves nope. low. We're knowledgeable. We're trying to screw you over. No, that's not our MO. Yep. It's, it's give you the tools, give you the questions and arm you the best way possible for those agents that are what you're thinking we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I Let's mean, and I think this, this episode will be a phenomenal proof of just that. And again, guys, yes, we're real estate agents. Yes. We'd love for you to use us in your transactions, but at the end of the day, we recognize that there's a gap. Mm-hmm. Real estate agents talk to real estate agents. Consumers talk to consumers. The trolls only time, talk to people on TikTok. Yeah, trolls talk to people on TikTok. Well, not only that, but understand that there is a lot of real estate agents out there. It's not mm-hmm. very hard to get your license. Yeah. And then one of the, uh, I don't know, financial guys that you were showing me said mm-hmm. that he rather he wouldn't talk to an agent to know the market because most agents don't know what they're doing. It, it, yes, there's half true mm-hmm. to that. Absolutely. But agents that are 100% in it, this is what they do, this is what we do every day, mm-hmm. they're the ones you want to talk to. Yep. Yeah. And it's hard to find because everybody could get on social media, and mm-hmm. that's a huge platform. All of a sudden, people that don't know what the hell they're doing, they're the shiny thing that the consumer oh, yeah. likes. Well, and, that's, Whether, that's the thing. and I hate to do this, and I know I beat this freaking horse down every time, pretty, um, you know, or funny, or, or whatever the case may be, they capture that, right? Mm-hmm. They capture the attention of the general public, and they regurgitate crap. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. They recruit anybody could regurgitate anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Analytical thinking skills. Right? You need someone that's in high demand. Been in the uh, trenches. Those are people you want to talk to. So anyway, that's yeah. uh, it. Might get ugly if I start drinking. So well, <laughs> I haven't even started. So that's, I'll, that's I'll, we'll see what's going to happen. Yeah. I'll, so I'll, I'll be honest. Tweet. I just, I just one real quick, and this is why I appreciate something like this podcast. And you talked about it, saying you were nervous about your peers, right? Because you know a ton of real estate agents. We all, we all talk to each other. It's like an iron sharpens iron thing, mm-hmm. and you know uh, it gives us a unique opportunity. Every time we do these episodes, we go in and we do hours of research and we bounce ideas off of each other and we have an entire pre-show conversation on what we're going to talk about. And hopefully that shows up to you guys as you're saying, okay, maybe these guys know what they're talking about. Maybe they don't. If you guys don't know and you want to check it out, the mile high perspective on YouTube, that's where you guys can find us. Um, we're through episode. This will be episode 19. 19 um, episodes. We've got, you know, real estate defined clips for some hot topics. We've got some funny YouTube shorts. Yep. Community spotlights are coming. Glad so. you reminded me. I have to I've been saying everything's Oscar the Realtor across the board. TikTok's not. Someone mm-hmm. took Oscar the Realtor, Ooh. so I made it OscarTheRealtor.com. Boom. It's literally nice. OscarTheRealtor.com. That's it for TikTok. Love it. Better branding. I like and, it. And I'm, I got, I'm, I'm getting there, guys. I got Linktree. Thanks, Jameson. Doing it up. Doing I'm, it up. I'm I get, like it. I'm getting there, guys. He even did another live before. I know. I, I did know. another live. <laughs> but um, on today's episode, like we were saying earlier, you know, we want, we're here to help you. We're here to give you guys information that you really are looking for. Mm -hmm. So what we wanted to do with this episode is we pulled about four questions from our multiple social medias um, that have come straight from our audience. Mm -hmm. So thank you guys so much for engaging and talking to us, reaching out. Again, would love for you to reach out on the comment section, but more than happy to reach out to us individually on our social media, right? Um, So what we're going to do is go over four questions uh, that cover a good multitude of of things. So we'll try and keep it within the hour, but you guys know how good we are about doing that. Awful. We ramble. <laughs> Especially with some of the topics that we have. Um, but we're passionate, right? We can't help it. Yes. Well, like, okay. Passion. I'm downright angry sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fine like line, it. my friend. Yes. Right? It's a fine line. Right? Well, as always, we have a wonderful bourbon with us um, for this episode. And I've, number one, just... I like the bottle. I've never seen this this one before. Uh, Oscar, I believe you're you're the one that that chose this one. So you want to go in on it? Um, I went. I didn't know what I was going to get. You know, I, we've been. Well, doing Oscar does this. Hold on, I want to try something. A little bit, a little bit all over the place. And I was talking to one of the guys there uh, here at, in, at Bubbles, and I said I want something different. What are you trying to do? Break your fingers? What's going to happen? <laughs> He's trying to be. Sad. And um, so he 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 pointed me towards this bottle, and it's it's from Willet. And I am not a fan of Willet. I'm, I'm not a fan of uh, of the the Genie bottle here. Um, it's earthy. It's grassy. It's it tastes like long clippings. I've never had anything good to say. The bottle's awesome, um, but this is from Willet. It's Johnny Drum Private Stock. Uh, the Willet family is very. It goes. They go way back. They're in, old. In the, they're old school. Not so much bourbon old school, but they started in early. Um, it goes back to 1674. Um, Thomas Willett, well, no, 1936 is when Thomas Willett founded the Willett Distillery. But in 1964, Edward Willett went to London to learn how to um, pewter. Yep. Is that the thing? Because so, that's what they do with scotch. Right. I believe. So he went learned that, and then he was uh, allowed into the, the pewterers. Um, it's on the other side. London Hall of Fame or something like that. Yep. Anyway, I, it, it was a lot of history. I, I didn't want to write it all because it, it literally started from back then and then bring it up. They were, they even in the early 1700s, they were part of distilleries and, and then business and bourbon. Mm-hmm. 
fast forward 1936, that's when the Willet Distillery came on board. In Bardstown, um, right? Yeah, Bardstown, Kentucky. Kentucky. And the famous genie bottle that, and that, that, ruined, that ruined everything for us. Well, for me, uh, it's, uh, it's up there somewhere. It was in 2008. It wasn't even a long time yeah. ago. Yeah. So they, they kind of screwed the pooch in 2008 for me, at least. Um, I'm excited to taste this one. It's supposed to be really good. It's supposed to be very different. Um, yeah, see if you can find the bottle. It's an oh, iconic it's, bottle. I think it's in the um, bottom right over there. It, it, it's, it has a very big base, and it just it looks like a genie bottle. And when I was, disclaimer, moved to Colorado for, for a couple of reasons. But when I was in college, one of my side businesses was making liquor bottles into smokable apparatuses. Mm. Colorado, right? you could say bongs. <laughs> and Whoa, that's the big one too. Look at that thing. That is the bottle of Willet right there. So for based on what I just said, how do you guys think this would work, huh? Because I did about two or three of these bottles in college. I mean, it's it, it looks cool when you I know, first bought it. You know, one of the questions I, like, I didn't get was, does size matter? Oh, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no. Get that thing away from me. <laughs> anyway, that that bottle, I had the juice inside. You're either gonna love or hate it. I personally, it's not my favorite. So when I picked this one, um, I have Darren, I think his name was. He said it's from Willie, and I was like, mm, pump the brakes. I'm not yeah. a fan of Willie. He goes, no, 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 try it. It's supposed to be good. So I'm excited. It's a awesome. hundred to one proof. Uh, what was the price on it? The price was fifty six dollars. You okay. can find it between forty to sixty bucks. Um, the notes. The nose is going to be sour apple, vanilla, and oak. The palate, and I think this guy was the same one that, that did the creamy mouthfeel because Ooh. the palate is a snowball rolling over fruits, vanilla, and spices, Ooh. mixing all together into a well-balanced and complex whiskey. It sounds oh. like snowball. It sounds huh? like... Uh, Who the hell rolls the... snowballs on all kinds of shit and tries <laughs> to eat it or drink it? I'll say, it sounds like the drunk version of Frosty the Snowman. <laughs> like, I'm just saying. Like It sounds like a Colorado Frosty was, Frosty was walking out of a bar at 2 a.m. and just started rolling down the hill over a hey, bunch this of... Might, <laughs> this might taste like Christmas spirit. All right, uh, let's, let's go for it. I'm so, excited because Will, it's one of those whiskey or bourbons that it seems you either love it or you hate it. Yes, like, there's right. no in between. That bottle. You know what I mean? That bottle, it's very much that. But I think mm -hmm. it's it's perfect for us yes. because people either love us or hate us. Or they hate us. <laughs> the second you get that realtor tag behind you. Oh my gosh. I, I love yeah. everyone. So if you love me, that'd be great. Right? Right. And, if and, and if you me, don't, you know, you know what? what? Keep hating. Right. I, Bring I, I, what was, uh, I'd rather what was, be feared than loved. What was no? uh, Cat Williams, right? <laughs> Cat Williams is a famous thing. He goes, hey, if you. If you have too many haters given to me, I'll take them. Yep. You know, that means you're doing something right. Oh, or, or or who is it? Um, don't be mean. I like my, Michael Michael Scott said, I want people to to be scared of how much they love me. I want them to fear how much they love me. Yes. Right? I want you exactly. to be very uncomfortable with how much you love me. <laughs> but now that we've had this sitting open for a little bit, I'm going to go ahead and switch around. I will say I caught a little bit of the smell um, as I was pouring it. And it I can definitely see the apple where you're talking about just Sour from the smell. Apple. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of sour apple. Mm -hmm. It's like a Jolly Rancher. Almost. Sheesh. Absolutely. Yeah, you get almost that's almost all you get. Yeah. Be interested to see if it opens up more. And it's not throughout. burning the nostrils, even though it's a it's a hunter proof. So it's a little bit yep. 101. All right. So you would I would just I would, yeah. No, we didn't cheers, man. Oh, wait, 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 we're wait, 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 Come yeah. on, man. You're messing up. You're right. Cheers. And we're, already, we're already messing it up. You know why, right? <laughs> we're we getting comfy. Any, we didn't do any pre-gaming. Right, well, okay. we're, we're getting comfy we're, over here. Yeah, this is All true. Right. Working. Okay. I'm trying not to compare it to the original Willet. It's not. It's really no, not. It's but not. It no. wants to go there-ish uh, for me. I just... I don't taste any of the that grassy... 
I don't. No. But I do taste uh, a floral. Yes. Not well, what's earthy, wild. but floral. What, what's really herbaceous? cool about this? Ooh, herbaceous. Mm, I went more <laughs> like a... Uh, what, 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 what do you call a florist? You know, something floral poop. Potpourri-ish. Potpourri-ish. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, but not not too like, like it's a, in your face. It's yeah. lavender well, Yeah. What's yeah. really interesting is that I already I, I kind of see what they were doing with the with the notes. It's yeah. almost like as you're going, as you're taking the sip, you get the sweet notes of the sour apple. Mm-hmm. But then once you take the sip, it kind of goes away and gives way the to vanilla. that more floral note. Mm-hmm. And compared to last week's. There's no, there's none of that heavy syrup taste. Oh no, you you do have that no, it's, sweetness. It's not dry, but it's uh, it's clean. You get the sweetness you know from I mean? the scent, yes. not from the not from the yeah. taste. That's take what a, I'm saying. Take a bigger and it does twig. It, you yeah. do get the, it the burn. Different. You do get the burn. Like I mm-hmm. normally, and, and this is this is why I like bourbon too, because it's a different experience for everybody, right? Yeah. For me, on a higher proof bourbon, I will smell and I'll get the burn in the nostrils. Like mm-hmm. It'll it'll hit. Um, this one, I don't get it, but you do get a little bit of the initial once you take that sip. Yeah. But it mellows out pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and it's, I to agree. To a like, very light a, burn at the end. Yeah. But I, I like the di- like the the dichotomy between that floral, lavender, like, I don't know what it is. It's like fresh cut flowers is mm-hmm. the only way I can describe it. And then it melts into a little bit more of a vanilla and a sour apple. And, and, yeah. And when I said floral, I'm glad you said it. It was it, fresh cut flowers. It's not just... The bouquet yeah, it's smell, like it's like sweet. the stem, the yeah. everything, the, yeah. the fresh mm-hmm. cut flowers. Yes. You, you nailed yeah. it. Yeah. I think yeah. that's what it is. Absolutely. I think that's the other one is fresh cut mow clipping. Mow grass. <laughs> yeah, Which your lawn mowing great. clippings. I yeah. I, it's not nothing. a bad one, like I said, but it it's earthy and that's kind of what it tastes like. I yes. don't really want to taste that. Right. This one is fresh cut flowers. That's which, why that whole that's the whole reason why I don't love. I'm not a Scotch person. The peat that and all earthy that earthy peat taste, mossy. I just don't. Like I, uh, yeah, I yeah. Know. This is interesting, I, I, and it tastes a little different as it, as it goes. And like you know, when you when you do a cycle breath and you pull it through your nose over, over your tongue, the burn dissipates so fast and yep. then it leaves way for that sweetness. One hundred percent. And I mean, Man, I'm, yeah, these guys are. They, we really did in pregame because they're using like complex words, and, <laughs> uh, Deuteronomy or what did what did you say <laughs> earlier? Like this guy, <laughs> Deuteronomy, <laughs> cycle breathing and geez. Oh, like what are you sorry. guys, a goddamn walking thesaurus? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, hey, I yes. was reading. There's a book over there. I don't know if uh, you saw it. The the ugly, ugly English words or whatever. The yeah. problem the problem is I've been reading so much on Google algorithms. That, yes, like it's just being ingrained of these. Weird vocabulary words, words, right. words, words, words. Now he's making shit up. Yeah. Now he's right. making words up. Yeah. Well, anyway. I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad it started out lighthearted. Uh, Listen, we're trying to be voice. as verbose as possible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we might, we might make up some words, but you know, we like to have fun. Yeah. As much as this is a, a very serious, we really want to get some good information out. We want to make him fun too. Yeah. We don't Bro, want to sit I, there and listen to a TED I talk. I'm pleasantly anytime. surprised with this. I, it, me too. <laughs> I was going to say, it's like, <laughs> okay, it's like, it's, it's a consensus though. Okay. It's sweet, like, right? Pleasantly surprised. Yes. I had very low expectations. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. Me too. I was yeah. like, will it? Uh, yeah. Was, hey, well, Johnny, Johnny Drum. And yep. I don't know about One, you guys. One weird name. Two, I was like, eh. Uh, well, not only that, but it just goes to show how much mar- how important marketing is. Because when I saw look the at bottle, that label, it looks yeah. like shit. Well, well, yeah, it looks very basic. Yes. but I like it because it's like, oh yeah, welcome in. This is very basic. Yeah, and then you take a sip of it. You know what it's like? It's like a speakeasy. Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. absolutely. It's like this weird door, and you're like, why am I walking yeah. this door? And then you walk in, you're like, oh wow, this place is actually pretty. Yeah, cool. it's yep. like this place. Kind yep. of. Yeah, 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, and 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 the yeah, labels like it's oh, very murdery at the beginning, and then you walk in. And you yeah, go, oh, all the guests that come nice. come over there. Lauren, that one was for you. Yeah, Lauren shows up. Is like uh, I was like, you're not getting murdered here. Yeah. I promise. It's 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 okay. You'll be but fine. Yeah, I, I am pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. The labels like old granddad. You know, yeah, you're yeah like, exactly. That's that's it. It's just slap it yeah, on there. Yeah, old granddad was actually shitty from start to. Yeah, end. it's like a dive bar. You know <laughs> yeah. what you're gonna get, but yes. it's gonna yep. be fun at the end of the night. It's like but I'm gonna hey, be drinking yeah. natty lights, but you know what? I chose this. Apparently, you know, I earned this blue ribbon that I've been drinking. Because remember, Colin said he was like, "I was so excited to drink Old Granddad after you guys talked about it until you got to the review." Yep. So maybe we're maybe we're just real good at, at building stuff up. You're welcome. <laughs> Listen, old I'm still bringing the Old Granddad bonded because I yep. do want you guys to try it. Uh, very similar profile to this actually, mm-hmm. and it's it's so night and day, it, like blows my mind. Okay. You know, before okay. we get, I digress. Before we move forward, it's very. I want to say it it has a profile of like some sweet like a candy. Yeah. But without the sweet, like yes, any more, sense. like yes. sweet like candy. That syrup isn't there. Exactly. Yeah, that's it's what not I mean. the syrupy, sugary. No, it's, just it's a the clean, profile of yes. a clean, dry. It's like a dry sweetness. It's a yeah. weird, but that, sweet no, that's profile. what I meant yeah. earlier by they use the scent yes. to establish the sweetness. It's not a flavoring. It's a scent that right. then your brain goes. Yeah, it's oh, super it's cool, actually. Yeah. Take another sip while you're, while you're thinking that. It's yeah. super cool. It's that's super, awesome. Anyway, well, what we're gonna try and do today, guys, is we, we got like I said four questions that we're gonna go through. Um, again, we're gonna try and keep it concise, but these hmm. topics do expand. Pretty, pretty large. All right. So first question that I'm going to pose is, is wholesaling real estate legal and what is wholesaling? And the reason this question got brought up, and I think is because there's this whole, and I'm going to let Oscar answer the question, but I want to <laughs> give you guys a, a premise. There's an entire, since COVID, the side, the, they call it the side hustler, side gig economy, mm. right? And there's a lot of people that want to look for like the get rich quick schemes. And that's been, that's been in general real estate. Yes. Mm -hmm. But in wholesaling specifically with the onset of TikTok, you can go on wholesaling and there is these gurus that say, Hey, pay for this class and do this and blah, blah, blah. And they'll say, you know, within six months, if you do A, B and C, you're going to make $50,000. So it was a question that I got asked. Mm -hmm. um, And I want Oscar, because he's got some experience as far as dealing with wholesalers and whatnot, as, as I do from a, from an offer standpoint, um, to go through it, but it's something that people think, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get rich quick. And I mean, there's, it's, it's a gray area. There's a lot that goes into um, it. And I believe that this right here, the wholesaling, especially what you see on TikTok yes. and social media is what leads people to be like real estate agents are shit. Uh, which I 100% won't, yeah, million percent agree. I saw, I saw a video of, of a kid on there and he was, he was like, oh, I got, I got this house for $8,000. And he called the guy and he was like, you know, dressed in a suit or whatever. He's like, hey man, what if I told you I got a deal for you? And I know you're not going to sell this house for this amount. So what, what if I tell you I can do it for this? And, and I was just watching this like, come on, man. Yeah. Like you're, you're ruining it. You're like, yeah. you're, you're, you're tainting it. So Oscar, can you, can you kind of shed a little light on, on the wholesale business? <clears throat> so from, from my end of what I understand and how I've seen wholesale done, right? You have a, a distressed property, usually what they, what they look for, or a property that's been undervalued, either general public or MLS. You, mm-hmm. you could scour them. Mm-hmm. You can find them on it. More so before than now. So you would go in and find a property that a, that an investor may or may not want, right? A uh, $200,000 property. We'll use round numbers just to be yep. – yep. to make it easy. You find a $200,000 property, then you go ARV, right, after um, remodel value. So say that you throw in fifty grand, you know, you're going to have your numbers there. You're going to make a sweet $100,000 profit. So there's uh, agents that go on, look for those. They put them on a contract, and then they assign the contract over. Mm-hmm. So they uh, say, Jameson has this house. He wants to get rid of it, 200K. Charlie comes around, sees that value. Then he starts marketing that property as his. 
So he puts it on a contract saying we'll close in 15, 20 days. Um, and then when he finds another buyer that says, look, I got a, a sweet wholesale deal. I have it landed. Pay me $210,000 for it. Mm -hmm. I'll sign the contract over to you. I found it. They call it a finder's fee. Is that legal? There's nothing that says you can't do that. Technically, mm. yes. Um, but is it ethical? No. Now, if 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 Jameson is an investor all day, sure. the commission doesn't look at investors or anybody in the industry as someone they protect. Nope. They protect the general. Well, yes, they protect the general public. Yeah. So if Jameson is some 85-year-old man that doesn't know what's going on, you technically are taking advantage of him. Mm-hmm. That's well, and that's what I was scheming say. And, and stuff like that all stems from this, right? Yeah. So then I come over and you know I see the value. Hey, I'll pay you your ten thousand dollars finder's fee. Mm -hmm. Here you go, two ten. And now it, your contract's assigned to me. Yep. Or and then there's a separate agreement that I'm going to pay you these ten grand. Or mm -hmm. you, I, I write the offer, you double close, and that's yeah. a different, absolutely a different area that it it's not legal. Mm -hmm. Double closings are definitely not legal. I was a stone throw away from a. A, a, a racket here in town wow. um, that they, it was just, it was, it, that's what made the lending side and the appraisals really sketch. Well, and I think the, the important part about this too, is this is, these are the situations that you see most people get up in arms about these. Like I said earlier, these are the situations where you see people go, real estate agents are, are shit. They're just trying to capitalize. They're just trying to make money. Mm -hmm. Really want to stress the point that there is a difference between realtors and real estate agents and wholesalers. And because, investors. And investors. Well, yeah. And that's what I was going to say is an investor and a wholesaler does not care who lives in the house. Thank they you. They see the about price numbers. Point. Exactly. They see the price point. They see their spreadsheet. And unfortunately, guys, it that's the society that we live in. You can do that, right? It's an emotionless transaction. Exactly. They look at numbers <clears throat> and that is it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and like we've said multiple times is real estate is a very emotional transaction. Now, now. Disclosure, disclosure, disclosure. That's how you cover your butt and no one's getting taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. Now you say, you come to Jameson and said, hey, I have some investors. We don't have to put it on the market. You don't have to go through those headaches. Can't, what, where's your, where's the happy number? Yes. 250, boom. Let me find some investors, disclose. I'm going to make a profit off of this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make a finder's fee. You okay with it? Yes. Sign some documents. They could be by attorneys or or not. Something that'll stand up in court. As long as you disclose everything, mm. I believe there's nothing ethical, not yes. not ethical about it. And yeah. the commission's fine with that because you disclosed to him and he said, "I don't care that you make a profit. Mm -hmm. Just get it off my hands. This is my number." Yep. Then you get the whole set. That's a whole different story. Correct. And we've right? touched on it in the past, but what I, when you hear Oscar say commission, what you're talking about is the he's talking about is the real estate commission. There's literally a board of people. It's called DORA, the yep. Department of Regulatory Agencies, and that, that oversees not just real estate agents anybody that has a license in colorado hairstylists yep. mm -hmm. uh, different different trades dora oversees all of us you and guys want not, a total side note they're not for us by the way go for it you know who doesn't require a license in colorado in home inspectors shout out to who no home inspectors <laughs> <laughs> so, home so dora dora is not there for us they hold our license and they regulate us yes exactly. they regulate exactly. us they are there for the consumer yep. if we screw up they're going to fine us mm -hmm. jail time so we both or suspend our license. So Oscar, let me, let me ask you: Does a wholesaler have to have a real estate license if someone's involved? Not in necessarily. Wholesaling? Nope. Right. I, I, uh, back when I said I was a stone throw away from a, from a, a whole racket here, uh, there was a husband and wife that would go out, look for property, find an agent, and that's where I was connected. He was on my team. He would 
they would find the property and then he would write the offer mm -hmm. and then their investor would buy it from them and they didn't have they had a company they had a setup company yep they would they would they would get a finder's fee and sell it to the investor mm -hmm. and they would get paid through the transaction and or through the investor moving forward the investor would grab the property for like 300,000 in Park Hill mm -hmm. and then grab a straw buyer someone in the community with good credit back then you could do it yep sell that property for 450,000 pull Pocket that equity but before they closed it, they they sold the the higher end first. Mm -hmm. So if it was two fifty and um, they could push the value to four fifty, they would close the four fifty first, right. and then transfer the money for the two fifty. So there there was a transaction before title would transfer, Which and is, that's, a double, that's a double closing. That is mm -hmm. illegal. Yep. Yep. The FBI got involved, CBI or FBI. Wow. The, the Bureau of Investigations got yeah. got involved. Lenders and realtors went to jail. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My teammate, I was the the lead agent there. Did not yep. Yep. because he would bring them to me. I said, cross these dot eyes, disclose, mm -hmm. yep. disclose everything. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately his contracts were in one of the CE credit classes of what not to do uh -huh. with Frescona before he passed away. And yep. we were sitting there and I was like, and he was like, yeah, I was like, mm. yep. good yep. thing you did the right thing. Yep. He disclosed everything. Everything was solid, but people went to jail. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the, the whole thing with, with wholesaling, right. And it's, it's kind of a touchy subject, but you're essentially selling paper. Yep, you're essentially you're, you're selling title, mm -hmm. and the I think the the rap against it is that for by and large, and it's it's hard to I don't want to say taking advantage of, but they target yes distressed properties, and that mm -hmm. like Oscar said, it could be a distressed property that needs work. It could also be a property that has a tax lien on it. It yep. could be a property or whatever. a distressed person, or a distressed mm -hmm. person, or an elderly person that mm -hmm. doesn't know any better. And I have a, a recent example. I had a, a listing up in Arvada, and it needed some serious work. Mm -hmm. and we, we were priced at like $470,000, something like that, and we were getting offers, okay? Well, if, two things. One, if it was an inexperienced agent or somebody that was lazy and didn't look at the contracts, a wholesaling offer, especially because now you're starting to see wholesalers in the form of large firms versus mm -hmm. just individuals that are driving for dollars mm -hmm. versus a cash offer from a flipper are very different. Mm -hmm. And the reason they're different is because on the flipper side, right? If I'm a, if I'm an investor and I want to buy a property, I'm going to say, Hey, I'm going to offer you $455,000 cash. We close mm -hmm. in 21 days. I don't want any inspections. We're going to flip the house, whatever. We're closing in 11. If whatever, I'm whatever. It's right. right. 10 days, 11 days. That, that contract looks one way mm -hmm. or that offer looks one way. If you have that exact same offer, Hey, here's a cash offer for 400 and blah, blah, blah. We're going to also close in 11 days but they have a couple of addendums. And one of the big ones is assignability of the contract, which means they are reserving the right to take that contract, like Oscar said, and send it to somebody else. The other piece, and this is where people need to be very careful, depending on what their goals are when they're selling their house, is they have a backout clause that will go all the way up to the day of close. And essentially say, if we cannot find a suitable buyer for this house or title, we're going to take our earnest money back and we're going to cancel the contract, yep. which is very bad news. If you have to sell this house to buy your next one <clears> and you think, or your agent thinks that it's just a normal, Hey, I got a cash off. We're going to close in yep. 21 days. And then all of a sudden day 20 comes in and your agent didn't look at that contract or verify if it was a wholesaler or not. And all of a sudden on day 21, you got to tell your seller, Hey, they backed out. Mm -hmm. And I would, I would love to say that. I mean, to me hearing that I'm like, dude, no, yeah. I mean, doing this long enough that that would be the, First thing that I would throw. So we I did mean, that. There was had, no freaking way that we that had would. Four, as soon four as I offers. opened the, the email, yes. I would have spotted it and I would have been like, 
Right. That's not even a thing, but right? There's a but lot of people. But there is a lot of agents out there. That won't I will, know. I will, I hate to use this example, but I got a phone call this weekend. Actually, it was a text from a dear friend that she has a lot of mutual friends and we're all real estate agents. And I'm not picking on you. I just use it as an example. Um, but she needed something. Mm -hmm. And I said, and I'm not going to go with specifics, uh, but I said, I, I'm tired of, I didn't hire you or any of our friends because I wanted to be neutral. I'm, I'm, I'm that, that's bullshit. Mm -hmm. We are all great agents. I'm not going to, if some, if one of our mutual friends ends up using one of you, I'm going to be great. Yeah. They're good agents. And you know what? If they're in trouble, I'm going to help them. Yep. If, if your deal is go south, Hey Oscar, if, if the client and, or you call me, I'm all in mm -hmm. you, you're friends of mine. Yep. Right. Yep. So she called and, and she wanted, um, some, some advice or some of my resources. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm sorry. You stay neutral. I have to stay neutral right. because legally I have to. Yes, yeah. I have to yeah. stay neutral. Yeah, you, if you can't have a, give advice. Yeah, if yeah. you have you, if you're on a contract, if, if you're on a contract yeah. with another agent, mm -hmm. I cannot intervene, give you any real estate advice. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, even if you're my friend, it is unethical. It is illegal, mm -hmm. right? So I I told her I said, not only are you getting 20 years of experience if you hire me, you're also getting six to seven contractors at my disposal. Mm -hmm. yeah. If something is done, what, what she brought, came to me, I would have been handled a week into the transaction. Yep. Oh, yeah. I said, this agent should have got it. It just shouldn't be an issue. Well, yep. and, and with that being said too, you know, we have as, as the market, you know, quote unquote pick, picks back up and we're heading into the spring, mm -hmm. we're, we're seeing things go on. We're talking about wholesalers and, and them coming in and taking these houses that a lot of the time would mostly be for first time home buyers that they're lower price. You just have to put a little bit of work into, right? And what we see a lot of is because that's happening and really there hasn't been any cap on industry people coming in or companies coming in, buying up literal blocks of low income neighborhoods and then reselling them. It's really affecting the market. Right. But th there was, there, there has been in the past, um, a good friend of mine, Ed Hazlett, he's mm -hmm. an agent here. Um, he's, uh, he, I think it was in um, Scranton, Ohio. He literally was buying up blocks yeah because they were going for like 20 well, 20 grand so yeah. you'd grab a, a pool of investors and he literally had blocks well and that's and that's what i mean and and, and that's going to segue into it, well exactly and that and you know exactly where we're going right with that. And, and that's what i mean is now you're seeing a lot of the a lot of the stuff change with the market and a lot of people are seeing oh well wait if if the inventory is so low but there's so many buyers and wait a second this is wait, isn't this what happened in 2008 isn't isn't this what's what what turned it all down what, what's the, the market's gonna crash guys we're not doing this as a grab. We're not doing this as a look at us, listen to us, but it's a common question and we're going to address it. So a big question that we have now is, is the housing market going to crash and will home prices drop in 2023? Uh, and, and I'm going to go ahead and open with, do you want fear or do you want good? Because you could swing it either way. Sure. Mm -hmm. and, and, and being a product of 2008 and I lived through it. Yep. And again, we're not grabbing because I hope it doesn't. I had nobody lot, wants that to happen. I, I wear hats because one, I, I, I shaved my head. <laughs> it, that's a product of COVID. I couldn't see my barber and I was like, screw it. It's going anyway. But, um, I, I lost a lot of, a lot of my edge during the short sale mm. years. It's not fun, but I'm going to go ahead and say, no, yeah. yep. there's too much equity on the table well, yes. and, and the job market is decent mm. and we don't have the products that cause that short sale. It's not, if yes. there is a, if, if there is a shift, there is a recession, it's not going to be for the same reason in 2008. It will absolutely not because those products are not around. The, yeah, exactly. You can't get, the loans aren't available fact -check anymore. The, hell out of that the backgrounds one aren't there anymore for it to happen again. That again, we learned from 2008 and the way that they were writing their loans and giving their loans out with the limits and everything, 
that's what got us into the into I could the talk trouble about that, we were that in. subject for an hour. Well, so I'm I gonna go ahead and let, <laughs> he's been patient because right. I'm like, oh, that was right. that, I was like I was in the the prime of who I was. Yep. That took a lot for me, guys. It Oscar, really Oscar did. has PTSD. Right I do, now. man. I really <laughs> do. So I'm gonna yep. let them go ahead, but then I want to circle back around of why, yep. how, and what we did during mm, that cool. time. Absolutely. So uh, let's address a couple things. The first one I want to address is what you brought up institutional investors, yep. right? People have this, it's almost like a shadow creature of like BlackRock and all these different mm -hmm. people and stories in the news saying, hey, these investors are coming in and they're buying up blocks and blocks of houses and whole subdivisions and so on and so forth, which is true. But there's context behind it. So we measure home ownership rates in the United States as how, what percentage of homes are actually owned and lived in by homeowners versus investors, okay? In a healthy-ish market, and what we've seen historically in the past is between 60 and 65% home ownership throughout the United States. Mm -hmm. Even with BlackRock and all these different companies coming in and purchasing from an investor standpoint, yep. and the mom and pop investors Elaborate who in, BlackRock is, right? when I hear BlackRock, I, I coffee. Yeah. That's what I think. Well, BlackRock is just an investment capital firm, essentially. Yep. And they, they have over... I think it's a hundred billion. They have lots of money. Lots a of money. A whole lot of money. <laughs> but one of, their, one of their largest business plans is to purchase real estate, right? Yep. So people go, oh my God, these guys are coming in. They're buying all these houses. It's going to drive home prices up. It's going to drive mm -hmm. people out of the market. The reality is over the last five years, home ownership rates, while this has been going on, have actually increased. Mm -hmm. And as of this year, home ownership is sitting just under 67%. Yep. So it's higher than it has been over the past couple of years. So I just want to dispel that. Yes, are they buying <clears throat> blocks of real estate? They are. What they're doing, though, is they're buying them in very specific targeted areas. Mm -hmm. And the reason they do that, they're not sitting there and like buying a house in your neighborhood, buying three in yours, buying one in mine, yeah. and so on and so forth. They keep it centralized because if they're going to own 150 properties, they can control the they market. They can control them. Well, not the market necessarily, but they can control labor costs. They can control yeah. property management fees. They mm -hmm. can control uh, supplies that need for renovation, so on and so forth. So it actually benefits them if they are going to buy places, it's mm -hmm. going to be in the same very, very specific area, which is good mm -hmm. because it means it doesn't start to raise the sea level everywhere, yep. just in that one specific area. And then mm -hmm. they're turning around and renting those houses. Yep. And again, so they have a very specific business plan, right? Mm -hmm. It's not going to work in every market. So they, they do target a market that's going to fit their business plan yes. mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, and this goes back to that conversation we had a, a few weeks back, yep. um, I had a family friend, I'm not going to go into that, asked another family member of mine to ask me which real estate company had the better inventory and cheaper houses. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. With that said, the general public, it's, it's where we're an intermediary, right? You sold, so you, you, the general public sells the houses. We don't have this special inventory. Yep. So if you don't allow for this, it's not going to happen. I don't care what business plan you have. You still own your house. Mm -hmm. You still get to make that decision. You, you know what? Open door doesn't come knocking on the door and says, give me your house, stick them up. They don't. They're going to incentivize you. Well, yeah. And that's a great, a great point too, as to with the housing market, like we were talking about before, is that right now, you know, Jameson called it the great stalemate episodes ago when, you know, when we first came back. But right now we have such a unique thing going on where we do have consumers going, wait a second, I do have a little bit of control here. And that's why we're seeing- A lot of it actually. Right? Mm -hmm. That's why what we're seeing is- there is a battle going on between the high price homes and the people who don't want to pay and or can't afford them. Mm -hmm. So what, you know, for me, what I see happening as far as, you know, longevity goes, if these builders, if these new homes and, and, and sellers stay at these high prices, 
and people cannot or will not either get out of their current 2.3, 3% interest rates in their homes and sell to buy, or they're just not willing to pay for that, mm -hmm. they're going to sit on that inventory and eventually prices are going to start to decrease because they have to get rid of that inventory. It, yeah. it just has to balance out, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, there was, I think we, who, who, the powers that be said this pandemic is going to screw us. Yep. What can we do? Mm -hmm. These interest rates, and I, I took advantage of it. I bought. I have a stupid lower interest rate. As, as I saw it as, should have. I saw it as free money. Yeah, exactly. Like, as it's not the time. Been. It's not the time to buy because I mean it was a steep increase yep. of yep. month over end increase of, mm -hmm. of of prices. But the interest rate was so cheap. I said, let's go for it. I told yep. my wife, grab on, we're going. Well, so it, it was a battle too. Well, so with that, but what I'm what I'm trying to say is that. Those interest rates were almost fictitious, right? Well, yeah. yeah. And and mm -hmm. now we're having to balance out, and that's what's going to have to happen. Yes. And then NAR put up that that um, uh, Jameson sent it over, and, and it makes sense, right? Um, mm -hmm. The the mortgage rate and the the treasury they go hand in hand, but there's a big gap, three percent. I think that's what it was. Mm -hmm. So moving forward, there's again when we talk about the market, there's so many variables. It's subjective. Mm -hmm. Do you want to hear the good or the bad? Yep. I think um, that economist hit it right on the nail, hit the yep. nail on the head that we're gonna we're we're going to stay, and I hope we do about five and a half. Yep, that is a very healthy. It's a good interest place rate. to be. It's a great place to be mm -hmm. because when we well when we came out of the craziness of of like the '90s into the 2000s, we were we were we were refinancing into the fives and sixes, right? And then that that made it healthy, and then. There was subprime lending and all that other stuff, so that tanked it, and then that's when we came out of there, and then it went up, and then interest rates went back down to the fictitious stuff, right. and now we're here again. So history is going to repeat itself, mm -hmm. and we can we can dictate where it might go by what happened in the past, yep. Yep. but we eliminate the factors that caused the mm -hmm. the tanks back then. Yeah. Well, so and that's, go ahead. All I was going to say is everybody's everybody's expecting, and again, when you hear crash, ex again, example, crashes, you're Variables. here, right? And then you tank. That is a crash. What we're going to experience is a pinball, or what's that? What's it's a correction. Well, plinko. 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 Exactly. Yeah. What we're going to experience ping, ping, is a plinko. Ping, 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 ping. Yeah. We're going to hit back and forth as we drop, and then we're going to find that settling point. Yeah. Right. Well, so here's to answer the question: Is the housing market going to crash? My personal belief, Oscar agrees with me. I think you do as well. Mm -hmm. The answer is no. Yes. But we're going to put a couple of graphics up so you guys, for watching, mm -hmm. if you guys can look at this to kind of follow along. But essentially. Any free market is dictated by a very simple principle. It's supply and demand. Yep. So let's take a look. And I'm just going to give you kind of four different reasons, data points. Mm -hmm. And then you guys can make this decision on your own. Data points, guys. This is not opinion. This is data. This data is statistics. Points. This is math. So okay. Most of my stuff is opinion and life experience. Data points. Yeah. So here's, here's, here's data point number one. Data point number one is we have underbuilt since 2008. And Oscar has specific experience in this, but essentially you had a large percentage of home builders in the U.S. go out of business in 2007, 2008. Got bought out by a lot of the Got bought ones. out by a lot of the, the bigger investment firms, got bought out by a lot of banks, which then sold those to the investor firms, so on and so forth. But the point is, <clears throat> since 2008, we have underbuilt below the national average of housing starts for 13 straight years. In that time period, for most of those years, our population has continued to grow. Right. So right there, you've got a demand of population. They may be younger, right? At 2008, I graduated college. 
I'm a millennial. So by 2010, 12, 15, I'm now in the home buying process, I'm right? I'm an elder millennial. So stat number one is we've we've underbuilt for the last 13 years. And what does that mean? That means when when underbuilt when means shit that, hit the fan, yes. builders stopped building they for stopped three building years. For, so we were three years behind and we to have, catch up. And we have yet to catch up. Right. And then the pandemic hit. You had supply chain issues. You mm -hmm. had labor issues, which is a whole other really interesting topic that we can go into on a different podcast as to why we have labor issues. Hint, it has to do with immigration policy. Um, but anyway. And the labor work skipped over Colorado after the after the, the crash. Skipped over a lot of places, yeah. right? They went, so, to, they went to Texas. They yep. went to the oil rigs. They went everywhere. Exactly. Else. So 13 years of underbuilding, which means we don't have, we haven't produced enough houses mm -hmm. to keep up with demand. That's supply issue number one. Supply issue number two, Charlie touched on it. We call it the great stalemate, mm -hmm. right? You have the resale homes not moving because nobody wants to move from a 2.8% interest rate up to a 6.5% to upgrade. So they're staying put. Those houses are now not getting put back on the market, yep. okay? Now, when people say, well, supplies are going to come from a couple of different places. The number one argument we get is delinquent mortgages, mm -hmm. foreclosures, et cetera, mm -hmm. because people just go back to their most recent reference point, which is 2008. 2008. So there's going to be a chart that we're going to put up that's going to show you guys what the foreclosure rate was in 2007, 2008. And why? Versus what it is now, right? Mm -hmm. So I looked up this statistic, but right now we're sitting at about 0.67% of mortgages are in danger of foreclosing or going to link it within 90 days. 0.96%. That is literally 1 16th of where we were at in 2016 let alone 2007, 2008. Yep. So nothing is going to change that number mm -hmm. because of what Oscar touched on earlier around record equity. People, if they are in trouble, can refinance, can pull a cash out refi, HELOC, et cetera, and start paying down debt. Worst so case scenario, you're going to sell your house. You're right? going to sell your well, house and you're, gonna you're not going to go into foreclosure. Nope. You're going to pull uh, the equity and you go somewhere yeah. else. On top of that, mm -hmm. there is a multitude of programs. Yeah, exactly. State by state. Colorado mm -hmm. had two that they're, they, they ran out of funds. But there is a rental mortgage assistance program. So they saw that. That Why we're not going to go back to that is because we've learned from it. One, we've had a ton of equity. Even if you bought last year, you still have equity. You're not going to lose out. You'll be stupid to let it go into foreclosure if you have I equity. Think the last number and, that and, I saw. And, and the programs that are there. Yeah. Well, I think the last number that I saw was over $23 billion in equity across the United it's States. Record. It's record setting. Yeah. Here's here's another statistic for you. Again, you got you got to say you got to say scoreboard James. billions, not millions, billions. billions. But here's yes. another statistic, and this airs on like like the extreme. Okay, mm -hmm. so one of the unique things that's happening in 2023 is a lot of because there's still COVID uh, yeah. relief funds going out. Oh, mm -hmm. I, those absolutely. end this year. Okay, PPAs or whatever. Those end this out. year. Interest rates are up. So the um, the 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 World Economic Forum takes a stock and tries to predict how many homes are going to go into delinquency within the next 90 days. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in 2022, it was 256,000. Okay. Their projection, if all things remain equal this year, that number is going to jump up and it's going to double, which is scary to 580,000 homes. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you read an article and say foreclosures are forecasted to double in 2023 and you take it at face, face value, value. Mm -hmm. then yes, that is a scary number. Bum, bum, but if bum. I were to tell you, that that 580,000 is below 2016 mm -hmm. when we were in a, you know, coming yeah. in, it, was, it wasn't terrible time. Mm -hmm. as, it was kind of the neutral zone. It was neutral well, zone. Yeah. We averaged 670,000 
90 day foreclosure yep. or delinquent period or household. And, and I hate to use the, the COVID statistics for all this, but again, when we were going into COVID, they were like, oh, well, it's going to, uh, you know, it's going to affect, I hate, I, I'm going to use effects. I don't want to use the other word, 30,000 Americans per year, but then the flu affected 90,000. So yeah. it's one of those kind of stats, well, right? And, and, but that's if if you look at it from where we're going into, it's going to yes. double. Yes, it's scary, but. Let's use some numbers to compare, but, right? But, well, and that's the whole thing. Though, and it's is, subjective. Let's compare where we were coming out of I to can now. Say, I'm going to drink 150% more whiskey exactly. today exactly. than I did yesterday. That's what, But I didn't drink any whiskey yesterday. Absolutely. Statistics are good. That's that great gives analogy. Us the information. Yes. They're great and give us the, the necessary information to gauge. Yep. But in a world where we are being overrun by content, by, by things that are just being spit at our face, it's on you to take the time mm -hmm. to actually read through and look at the numbers. As Jameson said, you see an article that says foreclosures are going to go double over to. Yeah, yeah we're doubling scary. from compared we're doubling to what? From 0.6% to 1.12% on exactly. the high end this year. Exactly. Which is nothing. 1.12% of 150 million households in the United States, yeah. right? It's not a big number. Mm -hmm. So let's recap real quick. Underbuilt for 13 years, that affects supply. Mm hmm. Record low mortgage rates that are forcing people to stay in their homes because it's affordable and they don't want to pay a 6% interest rate. So they're not putting their homes on the market. That affects supply. And then the foreclosures that some people assume will affect, affect supply by dumping houses into the market yep. that are foreclosed on is not nearly as bad as the media is liking is is making you believe it to be. Yep. Okay. Well, well, we're we're going to start getting the phone calls. Hey, give me some foreclosures. Give me some. Well, they're not out oh, there. Oh, I've been getting those emails months now. I don't get you know, I, don't, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. the investors I mean, are knocking down my door. Yeah. First of all, I would invest if it was there. Two, mm -hmm. I have yes. three family members and a few friends that are hardcore investors that have yeah. deep pockets. Yeah. There's nothing out there, guys. Well, and so I mean, don't that, let the that, media dictate what you want because it's going to be scary or not. And that that could lead us into our next question. Well, hold well, on. There's right? one more. There's one more oh, point. Go for it. Because we hit the three supplies. Mm -hmm. So now we look at demand. Okay. If we are in a recession, you would assume that demand on housing would start to decrease. Mm -hmm. What we saw in January and February is a year-over-year -year increase in the number of showings mm -hmm. and the number of homes that have closed. We bottomed out, essentially, in tw at the end of 2022 because of interest rates, mm -hmm. but now you're starting to see more homes go under contract mm -hmm. at a faster pace than they have for an entire year. Mm -hmm. So if that's happening, now what you get is an imbalance between your supply, which for those previous three reasons is low, mm -hmm. demand for this last chart by NAR, National Association of Realtors, showing the amount of showings and closed listings over the last two months is increasing, which means buyers are coming to the market. There's just nothing on the market. So what's that going to do? Yes, interest rates are going to put downward pressure on prices, but demand is going to put upward pressure on prices, mm -hmm. which is why Charlie said, if we're going to see anything happen from a price standpoint or home valuation, it is going to be a slow and steady mm -hmm. uptick, downtick, uptick, downtick, like plinko, plinko based on seasonality, based on micro, uh, mm -hmm. sorry, micro market, based on migration, depending on individual states, but all that kind of stuff. There's, well, there's so many different variables, but yeah. I, I think I agree. It, 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 but it's something that has to happen. Absolutely. Well, We and, can't and, stop that from And here's happening. the other thing too, right? And again, here, here comes you know the predictability of, of where you are, right? Living in Colorado. And again, I feel like I have a really unique view on it only because I come from two states that were very targeted by, by people with money. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is when I lived in North Carolina, a lot of the time you got all these goddamn Yankees are coming down here, spending their money and buying up all our houses. And yes, absolutely. And now you're in Colorado and you hear all these damn Californians and Texans are coming in and buying up. 
guys, that plays so much into it, right? Mm -hmm. If we, if Colorado right now, if Colorado was based on the income of Coloradans and, and who can afford in Colorado, the market would adjust a lot faster. But what we're getting is an influx of California who had a, a jump of over 100% in their equity value over the last five, five to eight years. Then Texas, same exact thing. So now they're able to come in. Shout out to Joe Rogan. Can we right. do that? He, <laughs> and, he mentioned Evergreen. That's why I brought right? up Evergreen. Yeah. He's like, shh. I was like, no, don't it, mention Evergreen. Right? Exactly. And it's now you have, so that's what does it too, is if it's reliant on solely the population in the state, mm -hmm. it'll regulate slower. But people will move where it's easier. So you will get people who are spending a lot of money in New York, moving to North Carolina, moving to South Carolina, buying those cheaper homes. You'll get people from California moving to Colorado, buying those homes. And that is going is keeping those prices mm -hmm. up. So that's another factor that you have to consider is when Jameson says it's different markets, it's different things, that also plays into it. Yeah. And that is a large part of what's happening in a, a bunch of states. And it's a effect, right? You have to zoom because, out. Because exactly. that, then that, out. Goes, that goes into another uh, sub subject to this, right? Mm -hmm. um, Relos. How many people have you relocated yeah. out of Colorado because yeah. of that? Mm -hmm. I have some clients that went to Lynchburg. Yeah. And then now that market is like, now they're the ones saying, well, the people from Colorado are coming and buying all our property. And, well, it just, it goes into stages. Right? Well, there's a great and it's a cycle episode that it's you guys a, should yes, watch yes. that deals with people moving into Colorado because yes. it makes fun of the fact that like, yes, if you live here, it affects you. However, if mm -hmm. you zoom out, what you'll see by and large is people move to affordable areas. Yes. And right now it may not seem like it if you live here, but compared to Southern California, compared mm -hmm. to Austin, Texas, compared to New York City, Colorado's affordable. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, most of the time, those are higher wealth individuals yep. that are looking for job opportunities mm -hmm. so they can afford to move here and they're going to move to Colorado or you know Idaho or Utah or Arizona where you have a robust economy. And we talked about it in a previous episode. That's going to be the natural occurrence. And then once Colorado gets too expensive, guess what's going to happen? You're going to start to see people move out. Wyoming. And they're going to move to Oklahoma, <laughs> Wyoming, Iowa. And then Iowa's going to be like, oh my God, get the fuck out when of the state. Driving, when like, I was driving. That's just what it's going to be. And then, and then what's going to happen in Iowa? As people move in mm -hmm. and demand starts to increase and supply decreases, now their home prices are going to go up. And they're like, you know what? I don't like Iowa anymore. I'm going to go to Missouri, right? Well, and it's <laughs> funny. When I, was working, when I was working for Samsung and I would drive up to Fort Collins, mm -hmm. if you guys don't know, Fort Collins is like right there to the state line, right? So as you're coming in on- Where's I my Rammies at? Uh, on I-25, as you're coming in. Yes, I'm not a, a Rammy, but I've, I've definitely sent a whole lot of money there. My wife, right. my brother, <laughs> I mean, they've, they've all- But as you're driving south down 25 from, from Wyoming, uh, you get, there's a billboard that says, why, what was it? it was something along the lines of like, Wyoming's way better, you should move here. Yeah. And it, it's right there on the line. Perfect example. That is the state going, hey guys, I know it's too expensive, so uh, come this way. Perfect example. And you know what? Wyoming is desolate, kind of <laughs> crazy, but dude, I, uh, what's that lake we went out to? Um, Glendale. Oh, mm -hmm. it was fun. Love it. Uh, oh man, yeah. Wyoming, it has a ton of cool yeah. places. I see so many people wanting to move to Montana now. They're like Gillette, Casper. <laughs> I had a client that <laughs> I almost listed. Hey, my buddies are from to, Montana. Atlanta, Montana. Shout out to Sean Maker. Yep. Yeah. Uh, they're from Billings and is that Miles who, is City. Is that the agents you were talking to me about? No, 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 no. Uh, no. All right. So with with what you know, we, we know that this is a touchy subject and and we know that we're gonna get a lot of comments on it. We know that we're gonna get a lot of people that are interested in this. But also we want your opinion. Yes. Honestly. Like mm -hmm. I, this is an open dialogue. Mm -hmm. We have statistics, we have personal opinions. experience, we have opinions. 
But that's the whole purpose, right? If somebody can come to us and give me a different opinion mm-hmm. based off of, you know, real life experience or statistics or whatever, I'd love to have that conversation. And just with you guys. because we don't have a setup like a TED talk, I don't care if you bring the leading economist in. Yeah. There. I have questions for him. Yeah. I have life experience. I'm going to question the crap out of him. I don't care how cool or educated he looks or or, or speaks eloquently i'm still have real life experience it's an opportunity why to is learn. this happen? i will nail that guy yeah, to the wall. i just want to just know, let right? you know yeah. so please mm-hmm. let us know in the comments what you guys think we'd yep. love to hear it well and and so, i would love to have someone like that on the podcast because yeah. yes. after they have a few drinks they're going to tell you they're the real the stuff <laughs> right. yeah. they'll tell you the truth you will be so, like oh that shit was bullshit may- we maybe we capture. don't want that um, the economy's screwed right oh, well, okay you know what Tom, get the hell out on the note of you know of Investors coming in and, yeah. and people foreclosing and all of that. It's a big fear. It is. It's a big right? fear. And, 100%. And what that leads to, a lot of the time, these people defaulting and, and needing to get out of their situations, it leads to short selling, right? And short selling, at least from what I know in the industry, is one of those, one of those cloudy figures that sits in the background for agents and for people. So good thing we actually have somebody here today. Yeah, right. that has a ton of experience in short selling. I think so. It almost, almost as if they've been doing it for almost twenty years. I yes. I wonder who it might be. It made me throw up a little bit in my mouth. But <laughs> yes, I am a short so, sales so specialist. Oscar, the que- the question, I am a short sales specialist. The question we got was, "Hey, I'm nervous about inflation rates. I'm nervous about the federal fund. I'm nervous about a lot of different things. If I have to short sell my house, what does that look like? You What's know, the, the process. Uh, what do I have to do? Those are all valid points, and they're all scary, right? Because your your home is the biggest financial decision you'll ever make there it's your biggest payment and you want to make sure that you navigate that the best way possible and the reason that short sales exist is because say and the only way they exist is if you're upside down if you have equity in your house there's no reason why you should short sell so if you're upside down what does that mean that means that your house you purchased it for $500,000 and now the market dictates that you owe two or 450 to 300,000, mm-hmm. right? So there's a deficit there. So the way you navigate a short sale is you have to get to the bank and their representatives and their attorneys at times. And you say, you know what, Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, they have some hardships. They lost their job. There has to be a hardship. You can't just say, you know what, I don't want to pay this anymore. I'm out. Right. You can. And I have structured those, but those are the ones that you, they're probably going to say no. So you come in and you say, look, Mr. And Mrs. Smith lost their job. Or there was a hardship that happened. There was a divorce, something. We now need to sell the house. So they need to see how much, if there's $100,000 that you're in, in the red, you basically, you make a deal with the bank and say, you know what? We're going to sell it for as much as you can. We're going to settle. And you, you do a settlement with the, with the client. Mm-hmm. Real estate fees are, are in there already. So you don't have to pay out, outside of that. Now, there were some stipulations back um, that you were going to get taxed on that money, mm-hmm. the difference, mm-hmm. or it was just going to go away. Most of the time, they just went away. Mm-hmm. So to structure it, you did. It was it was a whole process. It was almost like formulating a loan. So I was a loan officer before I was a real estate agent, and that's why it came easy to me. So you had to hardship letter. You had to show your financials. You had to do a, a market analysis or a BPO on the property. And um, you had to constantly stay on your rep for who was hold, holding your file. And then mm-hmm. sometimes I had to talk to a couple of attorneys here in town. So do you, so do you get in, a, in that situation when you, when you say, you know, home evaluation, is that do you pay for an appraiser? Do you get an agent to do a comparative market analysis? How is your home valued? So when, when you dealt with uh, foreclosures, you did have to do what's called a BPO, a broker price opinion. With short sales, you just send in 
your your market analysis, a CMA, mm -hmm. what a, a current market analysis. That's what CMA stands for. So as a realtor, you pull up Jameson's house, and then you look for the similar houses around his block, no more than a quarter mile if possible. You go up to half a mile, apples to apples. There's your value, right? Mm -hmm. So you send that in alongside everything else. Then the asset manager looks at it, and then they give you what they think is going to happen. Now, the key to that is being relentless. I mean, mm -hmm. I am an animal when it comes to I need an answer. If you're yep. not going to give it to me, give me some of that at will. Yep. So I got a question. When you say that you go to the bank, during a short sale process, who, if it's successful from start to finish, who purchases the house? The, the general public. Or the general public. Yes. So if you're short selling property, say that I'm short selling your house. Yep. So you come to me, I get everything ready. I prep it. We don't go on the market until I have some kind of connection with the bank, their representative, right? Mm -hmm. the, 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 the asset manager. And then we just throw on the market, just like a regular sale. Okay. But you have to tell the general public, this is a short sale. Give us time. Got it. The sale of this home is going to be contingent on the short sale approval. So all your dates are SSA, short sale approval. So earnest money, that's pretty hard. Um, and everything else starts on short sale approval because the bank won't give you the thumbs up until you have a contract and we're ready to go. And okay, when we say the now, bank, it's whoever holds the note on the house. Whoever holds the note and whoever the asset manager is. Got it. Right? So we go on the market at a good price. Yep. We're going to have tons of offers. Hopefully we go above to where we don't need it. That's why it's kind of skewed right now. I don't think it'll happen. Sure. But- Anything can happen. Right. So you go on the market, you go on a contract, and that's why people were hesitant on buying short sales. Because if you weren't good at it, you were going to be six months into it. Mm -hmm. So you were going to buy a house, and to get that deal, you'd have to wait it out six months. Don't mean a two-mile horn, but my quickest short sale was two weeks. Two, two. On average, two and a half months. I was on it because I'm relentless. So the general public buys it. You get the short sale approval. You go and you close it. Just like normal. Okay. It, it is a special, it, it's a special warranty deed because, you know, right. all that happens. Yes. But the buyer, Which we talked about, the buyer doesn't have to worry a about it. Special warranty deed, go to episode 18 mm -hmm. and take a look at that. We talked to a title rep about special And I'll put a link deeds. right over here. Yep. And the thing is that the buyer that buys it, it's a normal transaction. We don't have to worry about anything. It's so just I, time wise. So I got a question. The seller does, though. The seller yeah. just settled with their bank. So here's my question What is the difference between a short sale and a foreclosure? A short sale, you own the property and you're settling with the bank, the debt owed. Okay. A foreclosure is the bank owns your house now. But they will put it on yeah, you, potentially an option. The seller has nothing to do with it. And I did a lot of foreclosures. I was on a team where we did REOs, mm -hmm. real estate owned. That means the, the bank picked up the property, contacted an REO agent and said, hey, sell this for us. Now, the general public, sometimes there was a renter in there. And they didn't even know that their landlord never made that payment. Right. And the house is no longer their landlord. Mm -hmm. They were just keeping the money and let it go to foreclosure. The foreclosure can technically start your second mispayment. So, and that's the reason I bring this up is because if, if we have people <laughs> that have this fear of potentially not being able to make a mortgage payment, it may make sense for them to reach out and talk to an agent if, about a short <coughs> sale. Absolutely. If, before if, they get to the foreclosure part, <coughs> because they will exert more control because they still own yes, the asset yes. versus foreclosure. They don't. And, so, and there, and there's, there's a lot of programs. Right. I help people short sale their home and get paid. Right. Yeah. There was a bank. One of, uh, I was, but people at, was, are afraid 
because they don't know the difference, right? Yeah, they and just talk are, to us. We'll make those. A lot right. of people mm-hmm. are embarrassed. They're like, exactly. I'm losing my home. So I don't want to talk to the bank. What are they going right. to think of well, me? You know what? It happens to the best of us. Mm-hmm. Let me do the heavy lifting. Let me ask those questions. Let me at, let me yep. advocate for you. Yes. Because there was a client in the bluffs. I short sold his house. He thought he was going to make zero dollars. He was already, you know, scrounging his last pennies and pulling from his 401k to go rent a house. Mm-hmm. I made a connection with the asset manager. I got him $10,000. Well, and that's what I was going to say. So $10,000 to move out of his house. Yep. So to recap on that point on, on, on the, you know, on the short sale versus foreclosure, when you go short sale, you have the opportunity to either make money or save your credit mm-hmm. because save your ass. Period. Yeah. Because the agent who you're working with, whatever entity it is, when you short sell, that is what it's there for is yes. for you to get out from underneath it in order for you not to be hurt for future gains on your credit and have the ability to negotiate the settlement with the bank or exactly. whoever holds the note but versus also, also, a foreclosure is they're taking it and you don't get anything and, and you get an auction and whatever they come after and then you got maybe. the sheriff knocking on your door and you get out exactly, you exactly. You, you're, they, they will take all your belongings mm-hmm. and put them on the front and to line. oscar's it gets point, ugly that can happen within two missed payments yep so if you understand and again this this is hard but for a not, lot of not people. to fear monger because it's no. in the bank's Best interest, yes. not to foreclose. Hundred percent. So banks contact not, your agent. Banks are not in the business to of selling homes. Real estate. Mm-hmm. They do not want to do it. However, uh, they do, but the, where well, there's legislative, they don't want to do it in the sense that it is from a financial and a legality standpoint. Yes, like, it's money they have to spend. Yes. They have attorneys, yes. and that all costs exactly. money. And mm-hmm. I think they're going to be even. Total side note, man. We have one of these an episode with the recent bank failures. Mm-hmm. They're going to be even tighter on the assets yes. that they want to hold versus yes. the ones they want. But the point is, and this is something that from a human behavioral standpoint, humility is not easy for anyone. No. But if you are in a position where you feel like, hey, you know what, these, whether it's inflation, whether it's the car payment, whether it's whatever, you lose your job and you guys have questions on options before you start to miss payments, reach out. Yes. Mm-hmm. We can get you in contact. With I'm not going to Information, judge. resources, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It is our job. Oscar says it all the time. I think he does a great job articulating it. He's, we are here to fill a need. Yes. And if that need is you, we, you need unbiased, real, no bullshit advice about your current situation. That is what we are here for. So please do not hesitate to reach out. There is no judgment. I know mm-hmm. it takes a lot of humility, but I, I promise you, if you do it, it is going to save headache, heartache, money, financials, yep. uh, mental space, mm-hmm. a lot of different things. So not saying this is going to happen at all, but <clears throat> I wanted to touch on it because it was a really good question that we had. Yep. And I'm glad we have Oscar here to kind of explain the differences. Don't hesitate to reach out to us, guys. And even if you do, so short sales for closures as far as, and if guidelines change, I, I got to look into it. Again, I, I kind of hate looking back at my short mm-hmm. sale days, but when you short sale a property or you foreclose, you could buy within three years. Yeah. Right, you could buy again right away. The difference is one, you have control with the short sale. Mm-hmm. Two, your other financial credit stuff stays afloat, and and you exactly you, you rebound a little bit faster than just a straight foreclosure. Foreclosure, the bank owns it. You are now on the streets, pretty much. It's yeah. up to them when mm-hmm. they send the sheriff. I've been there, or they used to send me out. Right, I was low man on totem pole when I was on this team. I would do cash for keys. We were the REO agent. Um, uh, Steve was the main agent. He said, "Hey, Oscar." I'm sorry, you gotta go do cash for keys. That would suck if it was a tenant. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because I'd show up at your house, knock on the door, they'd open up like, well, "Who the hell are you?" I was mm-hmm. like, "Look, I'm Oscar Barra. I'm with I was with Keller Williams at that time. I'm with Keller Williams. 
I am here. OscarTheRealtor.com. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. OscarTheRealtor.com. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm here representing Citywide. Yep. They were, they were a bank back in the day. Citywide now owns your home. I'm here to give you options. I'm sorry if you do have a few minutes. If you don't, let's schedule some time. It's a repo. And they, they would, Essentially, it's it's a, a repo. I was the repo man. You're the repo they man. They would slam doors at me and yell at me. We paid our, our rent on time. Yep. I'm sorry, but your landlord didn't. We now own your property. Yep. Well, yep. Citywide does. I'm here to represent them, mm -hmm. but I have options. And they would freak out. I'd sit, and that was where the hardest conversations because they have their kids, yeah. their families. Oh, and, yeah. and they're there, and I'm, I'm sitting there telling them, you got to go. Yep. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the bank would allot me a certain amount of money. They would have to agree. You got 60 days. You got to broom sweep the home, get everything out. And the bank has given me the authority to offer you five grand. Sometimes it was only 1500 bucks. So and I've seen it up to 10 grand, but those were crap conversations I had to do. I had, well, I had, I took no, here, I, they were not fun. I hated those. Well, and here's, here's the thing I'll, I'll give, I, I am a product of that situation. Mm -hmm. I had that happen to me. My, my mother is bipolar schizophrenic. My father passed away when I was 18, when I was in college. So what ended up happening was I went away to college. My dad was the one that helped manage all the finances. Lo and behold, taxes didn't get paid, whatever didn't get paid. I came home from Christmas for Christmas break, got a, got a phone call uh, from, a, from a sheriff. Hey, Charlie, I just want to, is this Mr. Sardelli? Yep. I just want to let you know that your mom and your dog are, are walking on the street. I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? My, they're home. It's exactly what happened. Somebody came and said, hey, somebody bought, bought the taxes on your house. You, you no longer own the home. They gave us eight hours, eight hours to clean out an entire home. Okay. That can happen. How long did you live in that house? We were in there for... Six years. That was the house that we moved to to North Carolina. Now, 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 before any of the real estate agents and people that know the state of Colorado law, what state were you in? North Carolina. Okay, Colorado's a little different. Yep. There's more time, more yes. leeway. Yep. That shit would not happen. But still, but, sheriff shows up at your house. Mm -hmm. They're gonna tell you when that timeline is done. You need to get out. Yep. And then they ha a, a company's right behind them with either the agent or the new buyer, yep. and they're gonna start hauling your stuff yep. out to the mm -hmm. front lawn, and you better get a U-Haul because that's gonna well, be free game. To your neighbors, and that's the thing is that. And again, hours. I'm not trying to. I'm, I, it's this is reality. Well, no, and that's. What I, I, mean I hope is, it never happens. Well, and I'm not fear mongering, but it is the ugly, harsh reality yeah. of what real estate is. We're here to not let that happen. But that's why I want to share it too. Not only that, but guys, yeah, it sucked. I was pissed, but at the end of the day, somebody didn't pay, and that's what has to happen. Well, right? not here's the other point. Title companies love right? to to use that. You don't pay, you don't stay. But here's oh, the deal. So somebody didn't pay. But I would also venture to guess that she didn't know what her options were. Exactly. Absolutely, hundred percent. Well, know your options. Well, know the law. Not and that's that, what we do. Not only that, right? Oscar, you mentioned it earlier. Someone will come and say, "Hey, here are your options." Again, my mom didn't know. Somebody came to the house, the person who bought it, and gave her an option. Said, "Hey, I, I want to. I don't want to buy this from taxes. I want to give you the money." My mom didn't know, you know, and she pushed him away. I had no rec. I had no idea that this was going on. If mm -hmm. I did, yeah, it would have been like, "Ma." The fucking short sale. Let's get something for it, right? right. But we foreclosed, and right. that's what happened. And guys, it sucks when you, you know, that's my parents' entire life that we had to pack up in eight hours, mm -hmm. right? But what I what I want to really drive home is to all the people who think, you know, real estate is a dirty business. They're kicking you out. Please recognize that there comes a level of personal liability mm -hmm. and personal responsibility. I get it. Times are hard and stuff happens. But as somebody who went through it. 
I'm a real estate agent now because I want to stop that from happening to people. Yep. We do this podcast to give you the information just like we are. So this does not happen to you and you could be well prepared. Yeah. Right. If it reaches one person that is potentially going through this based on their economic situation. I, it's a win. Exactly. Right? What's crazy is I have a similar story. That's how I ended up in the I was, business. I mm-hmm. was going to also I say I had that. to short yes. sale my mom's own home. Yep. There was predatory lending going on. Mm-hmm. My mom's husband wanted to start, uh, he, he was a truck driver. And, uh, he was working in another job, but he was like, I want to I want to own my own truck. So they pulled the equity of their home. Yep. All of it. They went up to like 95%. Almost all the money. Which you almost can't do anymore. Right. Again, pulled all the money out. back to 2008. You can't do that. Yep. Put, them, put them in a subprime lending. It was interest only, 7.5%. Right. Their payment went and, and charged them. And this is FBI got involved and that guy ended up going to jail. They're, they're, uh, they, he charged them $22,000 to do the transaction. Mm-hmm. Pulled all their equity and then charged them twenty two grand. Yep. Their payment was stable, a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. But after the second year, their payment went from, I think, $1,200 because their their house, I mean, this was when prices were super yeah. low in Colorado. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Their house went from, I think they were paying like $900 actually. They went from $900 interest only to $2,400 mm-hmm. well, overnight. Now, which, now. which it was, it was crazy back then because now we have, you know, our, our, our average mortgage rate, it's like 20, uh, 32, $3,500. Yep. Mm-hmm. But back then that was crazy. Right. And they were on a fixed income. The, the, the trucking, uh, Business didn't take off. It was it was it was a mess. Mm-hmm. I remembered the real estate agent that sold my mom's house said she took a liking to me. Shout out to Gloria Lada. Thank you. She said if you ever want to get back into the business or into the business after mm-hmm. high school, there's a long story behind that, but I did. And here and he I, is. I now. ended up be, I, I ended up becoming a a, a lender. I, <laughs> I I actually what you guys re- didn't know is what was her name? Gloria. Gloria also wore. Smokers caps. <laughs> no, actually, <laughs> Gloria, Gloria's old school, man. Gloria's been in this business forever. She's uh, one of the owners of a Remax franchise. That's awesome. Awesome That's lady, though. Hey, but, Gloria, um, thanks for uh, getting this dude to uh, yeah. do real estate. Yeah, we enjoy our time and with him. So I know what you guys are thinking. How the hell are they going to pull themselves out of this hole and get back to the positivity that is real estate serving oh, the rocks? Yeah. But are, are we there already? But Sheesh. what we're going to do is continue on. And I'll tell you guys, Again, we share these experiences just, yes. just so you know that what's possible and you can have a positive outcome from it. And, and no that we're what. human. We're not out there exactly. trying to screw no, everybody. Man, you we're, know, we're, yeah, we're here we're to so 100%. That's it. With that being said, um, another question that we did get that we really did want to cover because we understand that, again, words are plastered everywhere mm-hmm. on news articles, Forever. on Facebook articles, TikTok, whatever you're looking at, <clears> right? And a lot of the things that we're seeing is there's a housing, sh- a housing shortage. Ah, red lights, flashing, a housing shortage. What does that mean, right? So we had somebody that commented and said, what is a housing shortage, okay? So we touched on it a little bit with the supply and demand when talking about the market, but just to clarify a a little bit more what what a housing shortage is and what leads to it. Mm -hmm. Jameson? Yeah, so the question essentially was, somebody explained to me what a housing shortage is because we still have homes in the US. They're not just disappearing. Mm -hmm. So, and we're building more. So how do we have a housing shortage? Essentially- this goes back to the statistics, right? You can manipulate them to say what you want to- What narrative want, do you want, you want to go project, down? Right? Mm-hmm. So when we talk about a housing shortage, it is exactly what it sounds like. We do not have enough houses to satisfy the demand. Now, people will say, well, what about all the houses that are still here and yada, yada, yada? Here's, here's the deal. 
the way we look at a housing shortage is we look at the population growth versus the housing permits, okay? And we'll go into a little unique segue. And again, hyper-local, hyper county, local. not going to build anymore. we have a year or multiple years, we're at one and a half to two million added in our population, mm-hmm. okay? And that includes births, deaths, et cetera. Is that Colorado? No, the nationwide, nationwide. 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 And in that, in those same years, our new housing starts are only a million to a million and a half. Mm-hmm. What we're saying is we are not starting enough homes to eventually satiate the demand that is going to happen. Satiate. He used Dude, I'm going verbose. I told you. Yeah, the source in the house. <laughs> I told you. Uh, that's that college education. Shout uh-huh. out to you, Boulder, that baby. Is best. <laughs> Mrs. Uh, and Mr. Amorose is working. <laughs> um, but we don't have enough houses to satisfy that demand, which that's what satiate means. Mm-hmm. In case you guys are watching, keeping score, that's what it means. So what we're saying with a housing shortage is that we have groups of, you know, buyers. Okay. Mm-hmm. So our biggest group so far in history has been the baby boomers. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, because everybody went to World War II. They came back. Got you shaggy, can, baby. And, and again, you, you know, you, you know I love playing up. devil's advocate. Again, yeah, shaggy, statistics baby. and numbers are always going to have is. variables mm-hmm. because the people that yes. are being born are not buying houses right now. Exactly. And the baby boomers need to freaking die still. Exactly. I'm not being insensitive. It's just numbers. you well, got to understand the numbers and exactly. where they're, what yes. they're dictating yes. and what they're for. Exactly. So we saw the baby boomers come in and mm-hmm. buy up a ton of houses. Mm-hmm. Okay. And as they're, as they're and if you think about it, if you're watching this and you're 25 to 37 years old, whatever it is, a millennial, graduated college between, I don't know, 2004 to 2015. Mm-hmm. Now you're getting into, I have a girlfriend. Now I'm married. Now I have a kid. Now I have a job. Now oh, you so want investments. So I mean, you yeah. want to buy a house, mm-hmm. plain and simple. Okay. And right now, I, th- I believe baby or millennials are about 39% of the home buying population currently. Mm-hmm. That is a large number when you when you bring that into, we have 150 million households. Mm-hmm. What's the, the group above millennials? Uh, Gen Z. Gen Z, you yeah. guys got screwed, I'm sorry. Well, man. and they're next, right? They, they're gonna be next. Yeah, they but they're, 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 well, that's they're, the whole they're, thing they're, is, they, gen, lower millennials and Gen Zers are a bigger population yep. than the baby boomers. Yes. And, and this is what I think Jameson was alluding to when yes. he started talking about the, the numbers and the statistics of it all, right? So if you look at the natural progression of it, boomers came in, they bought up because they could afford it, things were good, they bought, right? Now, boomers, as we said earlier, are owning these homes. And why would they sell these homes if they have so much equity and they're saving money by staying in Again, them? a different generation because th- that generation said, you got to grow up, you got to yes, get married, you got to get the, 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 the picket fence. Exactly, the American that mentality. dream, right? The other now, generations have different well, thoughts of how to do it. And that's what I was going to say is now you have these boomers that are sitting that has, have now given birth to an even larger generation. But because of the way the economy is, now as they're trying to enter in and as they're getting to the point where they can buy homes, Boomers aren't selling. There is a shortage. So now they're not buying, which now leads to a lower amount of homes being built right. because less people are buying. And now you guys see the trickle effect as to what's yeah. going on so and what, how it yeah. happens. So if you go all the way back to you know, 15, 20 minutes ago, we said that we've been, we've been underbuilding for 13 years. Mm-hmm. Had we been at our, our, our historical well, average- Well, we're three years behind for the last few that's, years. That's what I'm right, saying. But right. 13 years total. Like if you take the average of how many home starts we've had yep. from 1975 until 2007, mm-hmm. since 2008 until 2023, right? We've been under that average. Yep. In that time- our population has increased. Now we're getting to a point where the population is starting to decrease. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
And people shout out Gen Z and millennials. Yes. And there's a couple different reasons, right? Dogs, not kids. You have dogs, not kids. Yes, you have dog parents don't count. You have an aging boomer population. You've got COVID that killed X amount of people. Mm -hmm. You've got rising infertility rates. So we're not COVID that created a lot of people. Hey, I didn't have nothing else to do. All right. (laughs) And not only that, but you have because of affordability issues, you've got Gen Z and millennials Mm -hmm. choosing not to have children because it's not financially responsible. Right. So now you start to see this this decline in population. Mm -hmm. And there's an argument that's that's made, and I've seen it on the internet a couple of different times where, well, if we have declining population, but we're starting to build more new homes, then we're not going to have a housing shortage anymore. Yes. But those but, babies that are born aren't buying houses right well, now. Again, goes, variables. Well, not only mm-hmm. that, but this goes back to the fact that I can take that statistic and say, yes, so our de- population is declining. We're building more homes. Therefore, no housing shortage. Well, that is like the most basic analysis of statistics I've yeah. ever seen. Well, in my and, life. and not only that, but I, I want to go ahead and shed a light. You know, Oscar, Oscar commented on it earlier. We saw a video on TikTok talking about, oh, I'm not going to take info for real estate agents. Most of them don't own a home. Out of the three of us sitting here now, I am one that does not own a home. But- as the as the one that is the the lower millennial, the higher Gen Z, I'm going through the situation that you guys are going through. Me and my girlfriend are in an apartment now, and it's two thousand dollars a month. If we were to go and even get a townhome that was three hundred thirty, three hundred seventy thousand dollars, with the way that interest rates are, we would have to account for at least another four hundred dollars a month in living expenses. And as of right now, for us, that's not doable. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm okay with that. But again, I'm also aware that that gives me time to save. Yep. So granted, if you want to rent and you don't want to buy, dope, go for it, don't do it. But please have the mentality of future expectations. And Jameson will tell you this, this is something. This is a skill that I just recently learned, right? Being able to think into the future. <laughs> Big picture. Right? And, so. and so it's, it's, it's realizing that yes, as of right now, it's, it's hard, it's difficult. But again, do your research, find out the different programs mm-hmm. that loans are, are offering right now. Down payment assistance. Exactly. There are options VA that we've loan. talked about. Yep. But I want to talk to you guys directly and say, I get it. It's hard right now. But instead of complaining about it and, and, just, and just taking it for what it is and eating the bad apple, recognize that you have an opportunity that, yeah, you're renting for $2,000 and the home cost is $2,400 at a low. Guess what? That's $400 a month that you can save. And now you save $400 a month for 12 months Guess how much money you're going to have? And you can add that now to your down payment, which, hey, by the way, a higher down payment is going to give you lower monthly payments. Not only that, options. Exactly. Talk to your local, mm-hmm. very educated real estate agent because if in your situation, let's explore our options. Exactly. Hey, I have a sister, a brother, a cousin, a friend that mm-hmm. wouldn't mind renting from us. And then yep. we throw all the numbers in one pot. Exactly. I, also, I love to give options. I'm not just yes. going to sell you a freaking house. Let's explore all options. And yes. if it doesn't work, you know what? Let's talk six months down the road. Mm-hmm. And here's the deal. If you guys are watching this on our YouTube channel, okay, we've got an episode on VA loans and benefits. Mm-hmm. So go back and check that out. We've got an episode on down payment assistance. Mm-hmm. We've got an episode on the difference between FHA and conventional loans. Mm-hmm. All of those resources are at your fingertips if you guys want to take a look at them. When we talk about a housing shortage, this is all I'm going to say. Yes, we have one. No, it's not going to change within the near future. Mm-hmm. My favorite quote I've heard forever, though, when people go, well, should I buy now? Should I wait? Should I do this? I don't really know what's happening. There's something called timing the market mm-hmm. where you try and say, I'm going to get the best house at the lower, lowest price with the mm-hmm. best interest rate. Good luck with that. And there's time in the market, yes. which means I'm going to buy this asset 
if it makes sense for me mm-hmm. based on my monthly budget and so on and so forth, my situation, and then I'm going to sit there, I'm going to own it for an extended period of time. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I could come up with a uh, statistic in your specific scenario mm-hmm. that says renting versus owning. It's $400 a month difference. And they go hand in hand. When okay, rates cool. go up, rents go up. That's $4,800 so a year. Your rent's going to go up here in the extra, next few months, right? if not a year. $4,800 a year, you would pay extra from renting to buying. Yep. Okay. Well, if in the next 10 years, I have a townhome that, yes, I paid $2,400 a month, but is appreciating on the average at 3% per year, yes. how long does it take mm-hmm. to break even on that? Investment? Exactly. And that's, that's going to be a smart again, real estate agent and or lender. Yes. Again, yep. it's looking at your options, finding, getting the right information, being vulnerable enough to let somebody know yep. what your situation is financially yes. that they can actually help you. And being right? vulnerable enough to say, this is what I do and I don't know. Yep. Here's my whole situation. Yes. Help me pull out what I need because our, our, our fiduciary responsibilities to you. Your mm-hmm. best interest is always at heart. So I'm going to take all this information, pull out what I need and say, look, we don't need any of that. Let's keep that under wraps or whatever the case may be. But this is all you need to make this possible or say, you know what, you're missing this and that, let's talk in six months, we can make this happen. A knowledgeable real estate agent will be able to do all of that. Hell, we just did a 401k loan for Mm -hmm. a buyer as a down payment on a townhome Mm -hmm. because we ran the numbers with the lender and realized that even after paying the penalty of pulling the 401k, it made more sense to pull the 401k, use that as a down payment on a townhome and then allow that townhome to appreciate and they're going to make more money on the townhome than they would have on the 401k, mm-hmm. including the penalty that they paid. There are options. Oh boy. And I'm, I'm oh going to go, boy. I'm going to go ahead and say that is not a plug for you no. to buy real estate with us. And for the guy that said that we're just out there trying to screw everybody. No, because I have gone on more real estate appointments to educate the public and not sell a house than sold. I will never sell you a house just for the the benefit and the commission of the hey, home. Hey, Oscar, Ooh, are you getting twenty paid, years? Hey, are you getting paid for this podcast? Hell no, I'm Ooh, not getting. getting paid? Paid. I'm not no. getting paid to do this no. podcast. No. Absolutely and not. I have, I have hundred percent. No. I, I don't even say wasted. I have gained knowledge by educating the general public. Yeah. Iron not selling a house sharpens iron. Absolutely, yes. that is it. So and yes, there's some shitty agents out there that are going to sell you a house and make some money. They're probably not in the market anymore. I give them I five it. to ten years and it. then they're done. I'm still here. Hey. I'm long Please, if you're listening to this on audio, please, you have to go to the, you have to go. And to it wasn't YouTube. even on my comments. It was yeah, on Jameson's comment. I just want you guys to look. I, I really want the you passion. to look at the, yes, the passion. Here's the video. Please. But, well, so, and I'm going to plug this last thing real And then I'm going to get handed to Charlie. So you just said about there's different agents, so on and so forth. Correct me if I'm wrong. I was in Costa Rica enjoying the beach and the pool and like 18 Mai Tais. You guys did an episode on how to choose a realtor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go reference that episode, guys, in the YouTube channel. We'll give you, um, by we, Again, them, <laughs> uh, they'll give you the questions to ask, the things to look for, all these, all these different tools that you guys can utilize. And here's, again, I'm going to say this. If you watch all this, you consume the information we're giving you. And you go, you know what? It doesn't make sense for me to buy. That's okay. That is perfectly I, fine. I will go ahead and, and, and tell you why too. Yep. Yeah. Totally good. It's an emotional I, process. Exactly. You could, you could do all the stats, all the numbers. It'll make sense. But at the end of the day, it's also an emotional yes. decision. Well, and I love the fact that- And I'm very emotional, if you can't tell. We're at, episode, we're at episode 19 now. And I can tell we're all, we're getting into the groove of this thing. <laughs> we're, we're enjoying this podcast. We're rolling with it. It's been an hour and 20 minutes. Thank you guys yeah, so much for yeah, sitting hey, with us. We've gone over. <laughs> Appreciate- <laughs> 
you guys watching this. 100%. Yes. 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 And, and so if, if now, you're still if you're still watching, <laughs> yeah. man, I love you. With, with that being said, <laughs> hey, if you're not watching, appreciate you. Yeah. Love you. <laughs> yeah. This has been fun. <laughs> Let's go ahead and move on to our one rock takeaway. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and pass. Are you it gonna off. keep this concise? Oh, we're gonna we're Jesus. gonna try. Can we define? <laughs> we're gonna go ahead. All right, Oscar. If you need to watch our podcast with the dictionary, I, I'm probably gonna be doing the same thing later. Oscar, go ahead and take it away, bud. Give us your one rock takeaway. Rome. Uh, I came in kind of with a bias attitude because I do not like the willet that I had. Oh, wait, one rock takeaway. Oh, rem- oh, sorry. I thought we were already given the rock. Sorry. Right. Not yet. I'm excited drinking. for the rocks. But- <clears throat> no, one rock takeaway is. For me, real estate's a very emotional process. I've learned that throughout the years that I've been working in real estate, and I will never take that away from the general public. Mm-hmm. I don't care how many stats, I don't know how much money you make. If it, the emotional component's not there, I'm that dude that's going to tell you, let's not roll with it. Yep. Even if I know everything's going to work out, I'm going to take that in consideration. And your emotions count. It just does. It's your hard work. It's your equity. It's your home. I'm only here to facilitate our our conversation and take it to the closing table. Yeah, baby. Jameson. Love it. Uh mine is humility. It it's hard. Okay. But to piggyback off Oscar, it's an emotional decision. And in order to have the best experience and the best outcome possible, be okay with being humble mm. and letting us understand fully what your specific scenario is because our job is now then to cater that experience to what your goals and outcomes are regardless of if it's a foreclosure or hey i just lost my job or hey i just had a kid or hey i'm doing this i'm going through a divorce whatever it is bring some humility and as a caveat understand that you can choose your agent so choose somebody you're comfortable with sharing that information and if you do you find that person It'll be the more we know, the better we're able to help. And if you run into somebody that you're not comfortable sharing that information with, maybe choose a different agent. Absolutely. So my one rock takeaway, I think, is going to be a beautiful culmination of both of yours. And it's at the end of the day, it is your responsibility to not just take articles, news, TikToks, reels, whatever it is. Fuck the media. At face value. Unless they're ours, they're funny. Right? Don't, Don't take it at face value. Yep. Look into it. Numbers can be skewed in any kind of a way. Take the time to sit down. Ask the right people the right questions. Educate yourself on options and opportunities that you do have. Because as you see things like housing shortages, the real estate market's going to crash. You know, what is is wholesaling, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, it's going to scare you. So just take the time, do the research, ask people, ask the right questions. And with that being said, you can always reach out to us um again as long as you're not under contract yes as long as you're not under contract <laughs> yes. with somebody because else that's saying, let us know that's another episode about, <laughs> i'm all about free information right yes. i had somebody reach out to me the other day just about the market update hey if i sell my house what do you think is going to happen they're gonna, no i'm not oh a good friend of mine guess what we'll give you that information for free because that is what we love to do like i love doing analysis on people's properties mm-hmm. i'm doing one situation. tonight for a friend it's, of mine yep she's gonna so use someone do else i don't not care. hesitate to reach out to us whether it's in the comments whether it's via DM, mm-hmm. whether it's how you reach us, which is 303-578-0263. Or if you guys want to email us, R-E-S-O-T-R at themilehighperspective.com. That'll Still get all three of that. us. And our promise to you guys is 
once we have that initial conversation, we'll tailor the experience to you because mm-hmm. we're all willing to help and we all have different expertise. But again, the Mile High Perspective on YouTube, come check us out, like, subscribe, comment. Mm-hmm. Some of these questions we got, again, from our audience, we'd love some more. Phone number, one more time, 303-578-0263. And then the email, R-E-S-O-T-R at themilehighperspective.com. And, and now, and, and, and before we go to the, no, to, go the, thing, uh, to the thing, I want to I thank Lizzo for making DM a bad thing. Don't slip into my DM. <laughs> it's like what, like when you're like DM, I'm like, no. All right, listen, bro. <laughs> slip into the Oscars DM. Everybody. Like, do please it. Do. <laughs> do Everybody. It. But now I am very, very happy to move on to this bourbon review. Um, yeah. Johnny Drum, baby. <laughs> Johnny, Johnny Drum. Drum. He I sounds am, like am, one of those like Civil War. I will, man, I will say that this has been one of the most pleasant surprises right? from a bourbon Dude, that we've had. It's gotten better. Yes. Uh, I, mm-hmm. as, as we're sitting here. Yep. Also, Oscar, I do have a question. Did you get this at Bubbles? I did. Okay. Was it on the shelf or where was this at? It was on the I shelf. Because I've literally never seen this bottle. Dude, look at the label. It's very inconspicuous. I, it yeah. was there. Like Just, I said, that's what I was saying. If right I walked past this, if I walked past this and saw it on the shelf, one, I wouldn't have known that it was made by Willet. Right. Two, would I. I would have just looked at it and been like, that's that's Johnny that's Johnny Blue out of some back end distillery, and I don't I don't right. really want anything to do with it. All right. But excuse me, everybody. Holy shit. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I I I'm, I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Okay. No, I yeah, didn't. Seriously. I agree. Like that. Wow. Yeah. Just just overall. So I'm gonna go ahead and move into my rock rating. And you know what? This has been the first one. That I am not hesitant. I'm gonna give this a 1.5. Oh, Whoa. I'm giving it a 1.5. And you know what's crazy? Hey, can we is- add some special effects, <laughs> right? <laughs> in the YouTube video. <laughs> it, it, it was. Uh, if you want to go, go for it. I'm no, just go like, for it. You're excited. It, go for it's it. like I'm excited because yeah, go for it. As we as as we sat here, the flavor profile was like yeah enhancing and changing yeah. as yeah. we go, and it's a, it's a weird the definition totally weird. of opening yes opening it, it, up yes. just it, mm-hmm. it just it, it is very complex, but it was like complex and like oh you're gonna get some sweet you're gonna get uh-huh. some apple it tastes good it tastes better as we sat here yes and it was it was crazy cool because I had zero expectation no, because zero, well, I do not like and, and not only that but like I'm one hundred percent this is and don't get me wrong like we use our rock rating to rate the bourbons right. If I was going off of pure how many rocks I want to put in this, zero. I'd give it a zero. Yes. Yep. I 100 I could drink this neat all day every day. Yep. And I o- almost think that putting a rock in it would lessen it. Yeah. And and I love to add on all the other crap. Oh, like Breckenridge like, "Oh, it's Colorado. I got to put that." If I was blind tested just the juice, yeah. You know what? It's good. <laughs> I'm going to go yeah. ahead and say I'll give me give it a solid 2. Okay? Yeah. Just so, because I had zero expectation, I thought it was going to be garbage. <clears throat> I'm, gonna lie. I, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to bring the price in mm-hmm. because if I bring the price in, this might be one, of the, one of the best we've had. <laughs> or if not the, the price, best this had, is damn okay? good. But here's how I view this. It's like a, like a great book. Mm-hmm. You start out and you're like, all right, the hook caught me. And then the story develops. And you're like, oh, it's going to be, the, then all of a sudden something changes. Mm-hmm. Ooh, now I'm more Like, I, I'm a, I'm a big reader. If it's a good book, I'll finish a 300 page book in like yeah. three hours. Right. That's what this is to me. Well, like it just got better. Yes. Well, and, and it's better. Funny, at, and I better, usually, I usually better. limit myself to like, 
one glass, maybe one and a half glasses while I'm drinking. This is the first time that I was gonna I was gonna say something too. <laughs> I was like, and for the viewers, Charlie just went for a second pour. Yeah. So here's the problem I have. Okay. And you guys, if you've been watching the channel for a while, you can help me out. So far, the best whiskey we rated, I think, was the Elijah Craig Private Barrel. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I think we all did one and a half. Mm -hmm. Right. That bottle's seventy bucks. Yes. Seventy or eighty dollars. You could probably find Bro. this for like 45 bucks. Uh, you know what? This, oh, yeah. Can I do tenths? I, I know, right? That's can what I do tenths? Can I, can, oh, I almost wanted to give it. I, I, I had to stay with the one point. It's pretty Here's cool. the deal. Hold out. Okay, let me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this up. I, I'm not going to give a one until we do a blind tasting. Yes. I'm just not. Yeah, I won't. I'm down with that. Okay. I'm down with that. I will not. Mm -hmm. It's that unicorn one. That's why it, I gave it a two. It's I'm like, not going to give it a one rock until we sit there and say, okay, here's our top five. We're going to read mean tweets. Oh, we're going to get boom. really upset. Exactly. But we're going to taste the best whiskey yes, that we've ever exactly. had. And boom. then we'll do that. However, I'm going to I'm going to break the rules. Mm. I'm going to do a 1.3. 1.3. Yep. I like it. I am. Because Only it is because, that damn close. First off, it's it's very close. And I think toast. It's well-rounded. Hopefully. Yes. It's well-rounded. No it's well, taste. It's, yes. you, have, you have Toasted Barrel, which I'm a fan of Toasted Barrel. Love okay? it. Love, Love it. it. But Toaster Barrel is 80 bucks, 90 bucks. Even if it's Basil Hayden's, it's expensive. Yes. Okay. This is how much? I think 56. Dude, and 56. You, could probably, you could probably find it for 45 bucks. 45. And I agree with Charlie. That, I could sip this neat mm -hmm. all, all day. fucking day. 100%. And this is, enjoy it. This is the bourbon that I would have on, on my bar. Cart. And you know what? Here's the other Th thing. There, there's gonna, no like hitting notes like, all right, that was kind of sour. That's kind of burning. Yeah. It was just, Smooth. it opened up and it was well. Yeah. Listen, I'm, I'm going to give it a 1.3. Okay. Because I I think for, if you take the price into account, it's the best bourbon we've had. Yes. It exceeded my expectations. Mm -hmm. I did not expect me to say 1.3. Here's the I other didn't thing, either. And I'm just going to add, because you guys haven't said this yet. I'm thinking of it, yes, I could drink this neat all day long. Okay. But if I put this in a cocktail, I think this would work in oh, any anything. whiskey cocktail. Anything. Without issue. Absolutely. 100%. And you know what? 100%. It, so bourbon will lend itself to whatever the hell you want to do with it. That's just why I mm -hmm. love bourbon. But sometimes price Johnny will, all that Drum. Stuff. Well, I was going to say, Drum, the complexity me, of this. Do whatever dude, you want with it. It's going to be great. The complexity dude. of this adds to too. what Jameson said is just, you get a sweet, yep. you get the dry, yep. you get you get a little bit it's more of that clean, flavor. Dude. Yes. It's fucking clean. Wow. I like hell it. It's yeah. clean. I like it's it. It's clean. I like it. Beautiful. Yes. Beautiful. Well, it is less messy than our normal podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much for yep. joining us for another episode of Real Estate Listen, Served on the Rocks. Go get Johnny Dram. Yes. It's I'm just stuff. saying. Go get Johnny yes. Dram. If you can find it, do it. Get it. If you're a bourbon drinker, mm -hmm. fantastic. Do it. And if you don't like it, tell me what you don't like because Dude. I can't find <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. I can't find it's, it. This is wow. it's really good. This is really Oscar, good. Oscar. Good choice. Good choice. And on bro. that thank note, you. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Have a great week, everybody. We'll catch you next week. Remember, Love you guys. Like, the follow, next subscribe, everything. All the likes. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and for the weekly video version, subscribe to our YouTube channel at The Mile High Perspective.